Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Gustav, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Today's episode of The Score is presented by Fastback Ropes, who introduced the team roping world to the company's version of the core rope, the Centerfire 2, the Excalibur, and the Venom, last year. Stay tuned for more information on Fastback Ropes later in this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of The Score. This week marks a significant point of growth for this little project of ours. You might remember that at the end of Season 1, we gave you a bonus episode with Corey Coons, detailing the trials and tribulations of his time with his most recent NFR mount, Remix. Our listeners responded to that episode in a big way. Some of you wrote in to tell us how much you loved hearing the story told from Corey's perspective, And ropers stopped me at jackpots across the country, literally, to say how cowboy to the core that horse story was. So with episode 5 of season 2, we're doing it again. This week, Charles Pogue and I are going to tell you about Scooter, one of the greatest horses to ever play this game. This podcast is another way we're documenting team roping history. And what a better way to tell the sport's history than through the lives of the great horses who've shaped it in the voices of the cowboys who lived it. Now don't worry, we're still going to have regular episodes of The Score every two weeks with the interviews that you've really come to love. But Caitlin and I will be working on these special horse projects throughout the year too. Remember to subscribe on whatever podcasting app you listen through so that you don't miss an episode. This is the story of Oklahoma Top Hat. Scooter, as the rodeo world knows him, arguably the greatest head horse in history, Scooter owns six Horse of the Year awards and 10 NFR qualifications. He was in Pogue's trailer from the time he was six, until he died 11 years later. David Reisner of Arlington, Texas, bred the horse out of a mare named Winner's Doll by Winterloose. Scooter's sire was the iconic Oklahoma Fuel, who started 41 races in the mid to late 1970s, winning 15, placing second in eight, and third in one. The great Oklahoma Fuel won a little over 11,000, but he sired some 570 registered foals. Maybe none of them were more famous than Oklahoma Top Hat. I am so excited to share with you this horse's story and his legacy. Well, welcome to The Score. I am so excited to have you on and and so excited for you to kind of tell me Scooter's story. So I guess I would love to start with, I think I read that your dad found him when he was six. Can you tell me a little bit about that, where he found him, where Scooter came from? Yeah, he was just locally. I mean, we're I live in southern Oklahoma, and my dad, I was on the road rodeoing, and he would go to the jackpots around, and, you know, he had buddies that roped, and a friend of ours had this horse, and uh, like I said, he was six. He asked, he my dad had seen him, and he asked him to if he would help him with him some, and he brought him over, and he rode him and stuff, and then my dad asked the guy if he, you know, would be interested in selling him, and he said he probably would. He was, you know, probably more horse than he needed or whatever to go to the jackpots and stuff so he rode him there for a few days and then he called me I, I was I don't remember where I was at for sure South Texas or somewhere but he said you you need to really come in and take a look at this horse mm-hmm. 
So I'm like, man, I don't know if I can get loose. And he's like, no, you you really need to you need to get loose and <laughs> come in here. I'm telling you, you need to ride this horse. So I did. I I came home for a few days and and rode him and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, he's he seems pretty good. You know, I hadn't really had one that young before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I knew I, you know, he felt good rope on. He was still, you know, he wasn't finished product yet. He was still kind of green, but. I knew then. I thought, well, I, I probably do need you. You're probably right. I need to. I, I was, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I can afford him. And Dad was like, I don't know if you can afford not to buy him. So, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so we went ahead and went ahead and bought him, and that's that's kind of where it started. Now, I was reading somewhere that you were kind of at the point of your career. You'd made the finals a couple times, but you weren't satisfied. You really needed to up your horsepower. You had you had told your dad, is that? Was Scooter like the first part of that? Had you been buying a lot of horses at the time, trying to figure it out? Or yeah, I knew I needed to up my horsepower. But I also knew I needed to ride better and mm-hmm. just focus on that. And so I just kind of always focused on my roping and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, I could really ride better. And that's what my dad told me. He was just brutally honest. I said, "You're you're right. You know, I've made the finals a couple of times, but kind of that was got over that. And like, yeah, that's not quite good enough. Look, we need to." up the game what I need to do and he's like you got to ride better so Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where it it worked worked out pretty good getting him uh, and then and then where I was kind of really working on using my horse more instead of just just you know me with the rope and stuff so uh it worked out pretty good because he was he was still a little green but he was he was still good enough when I started taking him I, I could just automatically see a difference you know mm-hmm. and, and i even wrote better on him and you know i could just tell there were a little more horsepower there and stuff so yeah uh, and your dad yeah. really knew how to pick one your dad was an impeccable horseman it sounds like he had a really good eye uh for a horse you know he didn't start roping or anything till late 20s or 30 years old but he just he just had an act for that just a natural ability on finding horses and he was always look he enjoyed that so he was just always watching for horses and talking to guys whether it was at you know ranches around or whatever or at the ropings mm-hmm. you know he would always just visit with the guys and, and he did he he really had a gift for that mm-hmm. now did you know what Oklahoma fuel was before you bought scooter were you into breeding at all uh I've never really been into breeding I did know what he was because I mean he was they had him there just you know 10 miles from my house probably so. oh okay and even a little statue out front of their place of him and mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I was aware of, of, you know, who he was. And then I, I found out more, you know, after I, I got the horse and stuff. And I kind of checked into it a little more. Yeah, he was pretty, pretty impressive record that he had. Yeah, had you ridden any before, Scooter? I hadn't. No, I hadn't. No, you hadn't ridden any. I had not. And I, I rode... Uh, after that, I rode a couple. I never really got my hands on another one, you know, uh of those that caliber I, I i did i had a school in like west virginia or something somewhere and there was a, a guy there that had an oklahoma fuel horse and he was really he, i mean he just stood out of course sometimes you know there's all different uh calibers of horses there at the school but this horse really mm-hmm. stood out like like looked like something i could probably even use but he he didn't had no interest in selling or anything but he, he was looked really <laughs> good he was nice <laughs> Now, what did Scooter have holes when you bought him? Was there what did you have to work on? You said he was green. Oh, j- just maybe a little bit on. Always, you know, when you get a 
new one, you've kind of got to start working on scoring a little bit or get with them in the box. And then mm-hmm. I guess his, his weakest point would have been his facing. He just mm-hmm. didn't face real well, you know, with the, the, the ropings and stuff he had been to, you know, sometimes it, I don't know if they didn't face that much or he just didn't face that good. I, that was the main thing I had to work on was just getting him to really finish. What did you do? How did you work on that? I worked on it, you know, just, just riding him around some and, and getting a little more flex and softening him up on the right side some, uh, moving him, side passing, that sort of thing. And then I started, and then I would add, I'll usually start add some weight to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just start out slow at first, then add some weight and do it slow. And then as, you know, then start as he gets, starts getting it figured out, you know, start speeding it up a little bit, mm-hmm. go to a trot. And then I, you know, I've just always, always, you know, making him side pass, roll through it and back up. Mm-hmm. Even when I was dragging the log, I'd undally and back him up at the end. And always, you know, before, and in the practice pen, I would just always undally and kind of, you know, he got where he would. I had to, well, he was just so quick footed and stuff. He got where he would, I'd undally and he'd spin around twice. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. so quick, you know, but uh, it, that, that was how I started kind of getting him where he would. And it didn't take too long. He picked it up. That was just the, that was the one thing that he'd just kind of hang up right there facing just a little bit when I, the, for a while there when I first got him. Mm-hmm. And you had him for 11 years. So tell me, what year did you start rodeoing on him? I that was I think I got him in ninety or ninety one I can't remember which but I I practiced on him for a little bit right after I got him for a while just to kind of pattern him and get me get me pattern kind of change run I I I ran close some at the jackpots and stuff but I, you know kind of reaching a lot at the rodeos and stuff or more than I probably should have and then once once I got him where he had even more speed than I was used to. You know, I need, I really needed to work on setting up a run where I can take, you know, use that to my advantage of, of having so much speed there and set, mm-hmm. getting a snappier run set up there. So I, I started hauling him, though, shortly after I got him. I practiced on him a few weeks, and, and then we, uh, you know, started riding him at some of the s- smaller rodeos. And, you know, then there was a lot of jackpots going on, not, not as big as they are now, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of just local ropings and stuff so I could – you know, take haul him around a few places and kind of see. And I just always I clicked with him, roping on him. You know, as soon as I started riding him and got him. So, mm-hmm. do you, I, were you got, roping with Ricky or were you roping with Steve Northcott the first year? Do you remember roping with Steve Northcott? I think, okay, when I got him. Yeah. Did Steve have to do some adjusting to the way he was riding the corner or his position based on how fast Scooter was? Oh. You know, and I might have had Scooter the whole time I rope when when I started mm-hmm. roping with Steve. I can't remember for sure yet, but I don't remember there being a lot of adjustment because I think when I started roping with Steve, I I already had Scooter. I'm pretty sure, and so that was probably one reason I roped with him. You know, or got roped mm-hmm. with him because he, he was really uh, he get, he gave you a lot of chances to win and stuff. But you know, I know he made things really quick. So when when you're he he wasn't like out of control ducking, but you could run to the hip, and I mean things were sure happening pretty fast. So mm-hmm. that was just a healer would you know kind of have to be on their toes right there. Yeah, but it, for those guys at that caliber, it's not they they're plenty ready for that, so it's not a big deal. But sure, do you remember the first time you thought 
this is the horse? Like, did it take, I mean, you said you liked him right off the bat and you thought he was something, but was there a big win, a big, you know, a big streak you went on where you thought, wow, what do I have underneath me? Yeah. Uh, just as I start, as I rode him more, I'm like, you know, I think I've, my roping feels easier on him and <laughs> I rope a little better and I'm getting more chances to win money. And well, I started hauling like in, I, I'm thinking it was like the summer of 90 and then started roping with Steve in like 91. And we start, you know, we started get, doing good and I'm like, man, this is, this works pretty good. I, I'd kind of got, had a, got a rundown that I felt comfortable with. And then it really fit the way he worked and stuff. And then I think, you know, we won on it that summer, won the BFI and stuff. I'm like, yeah, he, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Finals, he loved the setup at the U.S. Finals? Yeah, any of those any of those jackpots, those big ropings like that was just, you know, was a good going to be a good setup for him with the four or five head ropings or whatever. Mm-hmm. He just scored so good and ran so hard and stuff, he was going to give you a lot of chances right there. As long, I just kind of felt like as long as I – didn't make a mistake you know I was going to have a good mm-hmm. chance to win and, and that's you don't always get that with the horse you know I had a lot of horses I didn't get there would be certain situations certain steers that I was going to be a little bit of a disadvantage on and, and on him you know that wasn't true we've got to thank the presenting sponsor of this week's episode of the score fastback ropes fastback has been in business since 1995 always putting quality first continuing in that tradition Fastback released the Centerfire 2, the Excalibur, and the Venom in 2018. The Centerfire 2 is a bigger diameter nylon for ropers who like a heavy rope with little or no bounce. The Venom is a four-strand nylon rope that is bright green and is smaller with more body to it, allowing for quick, snappy loops. The Excalibur, a four-strand nylon poly blend, is less affected by heat and direct sunlight because of the polyfiber, and that keeps a consistent swing in all weather conditions. With the variety of core ropes Fastback offers, there's something for everyone, and all Fastback head ropes come in 31-foot length, while all heel ropes are 35-foot. But I guess looking back, I mean, was Salinas like the – you won Salinas a couple times on him, correct? Or I believe so. Yeah. I, that, yeah, that, I think so. He seems like yeah, he was custom-made yeah, for Salinas. Was, yeah, yeah. just anywhere, anywhere you want to let him out there and – you know, blow to him. He, he was good. He was good anywhere. But, you know, the the further they scored him out, the probably the bigger advantage you had. And I don't, you know, pro, there's a lot of horses that can run hard, that can run really fast. I, I think one of the biggest things, he, he could be going so fast and just instantly right off right there. So he wasn't one of those, you know, you roped and pulling on, trying to get mm-hmm. him shut down and stuff. He just, he would just blow to him and, I've been on other horses that could, I don't know, could run that fast, but could really run. But but then they don't ride off. They, it takes mm-hmm. them a little bit to get gathered up, and he could just instantly gather up. And you could just, you know, be the same speed as a steer and have everything real controlled right there. So, so Now, did they ride everything. him outside? Was Where did his background in, come from before you got him? You said there was a kind of a lower number guy riding him, but... Were they ranching on him? What what else? No, happened in no. His life? He just he just hauled him around, to, practiced mm-hmm. on him, and hauled him around to some to jackpots and stuff a little mm-hmm. bit. And gotcha. uh, he was just kind of having some trouble with him. He was, you know, keeping him. Horse was kind of wanting to do everything too fast and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we kind of first got. Gotcha. First got I see. Going. I just had wondered if that if that throttling down came from any 
wild cattle experience or anything along those lines. But no, he was no, just I a just freak. He was just a freak. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can. I've ridden a lot of horses stuff and, and worked on, and you can improve the way a horse gathers and 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 I know it is one. It is easier for a horse that that's really fast in one way because they could they can throttle down and still be running. You know, where a slower mm-hmm. horse they're still stretched out trying to catch catch a steer. Yeah. You know, and when it's easy to catch up, they can throttle down. But a lot of the horses that have that big motor don't throttle down that well. So. And th- there's a lot that do, but that that was just one thing that made him. When you run up and rope, you could just be instantly tight to the steer's head and have them have them turning. So, mm-hmm. do you have any favorite wins with that horse? Anything that just really meant a lot? Oh, just I mean, they each one after the you know each one was special. But I that uh, I guess when I first got him in that to get that BFI win because, it, it, you know, it was such a prestigious roping and stuff. And I'd always, you mm-hmm. know, had noticed who won it and all that, thought it was pretty cool and stuff. And then to be able to go win that on him, I'm, I know that was, you know, starting out right there, that was special. And then, you know, doing well, like at the U.S. Finals, uh, mm-hmm. open stuff there. So that that was good too, but probably there early. And then, you know, when you get on in the career, they're all special because you wonder if that's the last one or whatever on that horse. Yeah. Now, um, your dad, I mean, throughout, did he get to watch you rope on that horse all the time? Did he get to go a lot with you? He did some, he got Mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. He got to go some. So he, yeah, he was, he was got to be around and see, see quite a bit of what happened. Got to see all those big wins. He he missed, no, he, not all of them. He missed some of them, Mm -hmm. but he, he got to see some. That's special. That's awesome. And then your daughter, your daughter came around. How old did your daughter get to know Scooter? Was he part of her life? No, she was too young. She was born in uh, November 2000. Oh, okay. And uh, he, he passed away in June of one. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that yeah. was a lot of life changes happened right there at that time. Yeah, there was. There yeah. Was. Wow. Now talk about, I hate to talk about the bad things, but talk about when Scooter got sick. I mean, was that the first time that he'd really been out? Had he had like problems in years past that you had dealt with before he got pneumonia? Oh, he had had, I mean, a cup, you know, issue here or there. There was one deal with his hawk. I mean, where he would be out for a little while. And I tried to really manage him where, you know, it, especially after I got with him and got rolling and stuff, I tried to be smart, not just, not just ride him everywhere. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean, I, I would give him certain parts of the year just kind of off to mm-hmm. chill and I would, you know, ride other stuff or, or not ride him at certain places. But, uh, he, he, he didn't have, you know, a lot of soundness issues. Mm-hmm. There'd been a couple of t- injury here or there that I'd had to lay him off a little while, but I tried to be smart with him. But we had been uh, out to Logandale and some of those in May, I believe, or April. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we came back. I a guy hauled him back for me, and when I got him, he was he was really sick, and so we took him to the vet, and he battled it. How we even brought him home once, which. Uh, he didn't, the vet didn't really think I'd probably be able to use him again, just mm-hmm. kind of what he'd been through. But then he took a setback. We took him back and then he, he didn't, I was actually in Reno at the BFI when they called me and told me. So, 
Did you, did yeah. they have to put him down, or did you, or did he pass on I, his own? I think, yeah, I can't remember now. It's been so long, but I, I think he just, I think he passed on his own. He just, mm-hmm. he just couldn't get the, you know, the pneumonia, the fluid in the lungs, and everything. He just couldn't, couldn't mm-hmm. overcome all that for some reason. You ha- obviously, if you were at the BFI, you had other horses kind of waiting in the wing. What did that do? What did the loss of Scooter do for your career at the time? Or did you have enough horses that you kind of knew or that you were prepared for the loss, I guess? Well, I mean, it always, I just won the NFR running in 2000. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember that, that the year of 2000. I don't remember if I won. Maybe the BFI, I can't remember right now, but anyway, all kinds of run together. But he he was seventeen, but he was still mm-hmm. he was still going strong. I'd done well on him, so that was I wasn't really ready to look prepared to lose him right there because it was pretty mm-hmm. unexpected, and he was actually I was still winning quite a bit on him, you know. So yeah, uh, you're always trying to have you know be three deep or so, hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. but. You're still. I don't know if you're ever ready to lose one like that, or especially unexpected. You know, he was still at the age where he he was still pretty productive. So, yeah. And your wife loved him too. I mean, he was part of the family and a, and a connection to your dad as well. So that's true. Yeah, and she did. She she helped between her and my dad all the help with them, but she helped. So I mean, when we were traveling or whatever, and you know, she just she just took care of him like. He was a kid, so mm-hmm. well, she did all the horses, but, you know, she was with him a lot, whether I had to, you know, jump in another rig and be somewhere else or fly somewhere, I just never even, she just pretty much took care of everything with him, so, yeah, you know, she she made it, She, I'm yeah. sure she made him last a lot longer, too. Now, ropers are tough guys, but, I mean, emotionally, how was he like a kid to you? Was that horse like a kid? Was he just a tool? Like, tell me what he meant to no, you. No, he was pretty. He was pretty. Uh, you know, pretty close to the family. I guess you get pretty, when you've been through. When you've been through some of the things, you know that you've been the ups and downs of your roping and all that, and then had success like I'd had on him. Uh, and then he was just. Uh, he was kind of quirky, you know. He wasn't. He didn't really like a lot of people, but then he was a big baby on the other hand to <clears throat> to my wife or really to her mainly and me. And I I don't know. I just always had, you know, so much confidence in him and everything. And, you know, I think another thing, he was just, he enjoyed, I always felt like he enjoyed what he did. He was just good at it. And it was really fairly easy for him. And, and I, I think he enjoyed it, you know. What was his personality like? I mean, you said he was quirky. What, what were some of the quirks? Yeah, I mean, he was just he was just funny. He would he kind of stayed away. We'd kick some you'd kick some horses out in the arena, and he would go stay away from the other horses. Or you know, you I would be in the indoor arena roping some and turn him loose in there, and he would come up by the heading box with no halter on or nothing, just stand there, stand there and watch you rope. Or you know, if you mm-hmm. kick some horses out in the arena, he would always separate them, stay away from the other horses or whatever. I don't know. It was like he was kind of maybe a snobbish or whatever, but, you know, he just, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't really want to interact with other horses. He just, he would walk over there by me or, or whatever, just to, he was just funny. You know, you, when you went to feed him, he would, you poured his grain out, he would always kick up two or three times and kind of buck <laughs> every time. He was just funny stuff he did. 
Uh, who else would jump ride him? Trevor told me he's ridden him before. Tell me who else would hop on him from time to time. Uh, Bobby Hurley rode him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would, I buddied with Bobby quite, and he always had nice horses. So sometimes we would split our good horses up mm-hmm. and ride, ride each other's good horses. So he had really nice horses for me to ride, and he also rode mine a lot, you know. And we'd ridden each other's enough, we knew, you know, what to do and what not to do on them. So. Mm-hmm. It worked out pretty good. Um, now, would do you think Scooter would have been a great one today? Would he have won six Horse of the Year titles in, in you know, 20, 2013 to 2019? Like, tell me, do you think? Oh, you know, I don't. I, I don't. I would, you know, I would assume he would always be up there toward the top. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think horses have got that much better you know, in the last 10, 10 years or 15 years, whatever it's been. But uh, I would think he would – now, you know, I, I'll leave that kind of stuff for other people. <laughs> I don't get involved with saying my horse is better than anybody else's or whatever. <laughs> I let everybody else argue that stuff, and, and that's fine. But, yeah, I, I think he would have always been a player anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, tell me, what do you remember about him looking back, I guess, like – if there's one thing you could say about Scooter, one way you could define him 20 years later, almost 20 years later, what would you say? Uh, I would just, I mean, he was just so dependable. Mm-hmm. It would be the biggest thing. It just when you, when, when you rode him, you knew you was going to have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. He was going to score good and run hard. And even if you had a steer that ran, more than likely, he was going to give you a chance to catch that steer before he got his speed up all the way, and that was that's that's hard to hard to find. Especially, I I think some of the places they've shortened the scores a little bit up now from what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to have everything stretched out there a little more. It seems like, but uh, I, I you know I think he would he was going to give you a chance no matter where you was at or whatever. That's awesome. Charles, what are you up to now? What are your plans for 2019? Well, uh, chasing kids around. Yeah. That's a big part of it. So that's, <laughs> that's always fun. I'm, I'm still, I ride some horses, do some training on some horses. No, no green colts really or nothing. Just, mm-hmm. you know, work some head horses and stuff like that for, for a couple of guys and, uh, do some schools, mainly, you know, private schools and stuff. So, we mm-hmm. have a total team roping website, so stay busy with that. Yeah, sure. A oh, lot, of, lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Now, how many kids do you have now? I have two. You have two. And are they junior rodeoing? What are their? What's, no, what's... you know my uh, I've get my oldest is a senior, and she she didn't really never cared that much for the for the horses. So she's she's big into softball, and that's what she's she's. Play softball and play Mm -hmm. college and stuff too. So that's what she wanted to do. And the younger one, she's a little more into the horses and stuff. We don't, we don't know yet. She's fifth grade, so we just kind of see what they want to do. I just, (laughs) I'm just kind of whatever they want to do, we'll do it. But we're gonna do something. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I hope to see you soon, Charles. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed visiting with you. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you, Charles. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Special thanks again to Fastback Ropes for sponsoring this episode of The Score, allowing us to tell stories of these great horses and the ropers who ride them. 
We can't wait to tell more tales like this one. Well, everybody, I sure hope you enjoyed this new little side project of ours. I know I did. I am so grateful that Charles took the time out of his schedule to talk to us. And I'm really grateful that Caitlin, our producer, our assistant editor, took the time to put this all together because there were a lot more moving parts to this episode than our usual episodes of The Score. So thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, Charles. And thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>